Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Fernicus Charette. Say what? Doc G, what's up, sir? Woo! Another week, Mike. Another week. Can you believe it? Nope. We're almost, we, we, we are coming up on the unofficial end of summer. Girl, come on! Yeah, we are. Kids are starting school. It's insane. buses around. Insane, man. Yeah. Insane. I so happy I don't have to do that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> so happy. Buses. I've got a story. I got a story, listeners, coming up Word. about buses. I'm not gonna break it out right now. Bus <laughs> buses in Jacksonville. It's coming up in quick hitters. Get ready for it. Sweet. Um but yeah, Mike, it's it's nice. It seems like yesterday I was giving you the summer quiz. Like yeah. it was right there. Just say, uh, and you know it, Mike. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of summer. Just mm -hmm. the the long days, the hanging by the pool, the feeling sun kissed, wearing yeah. less clothes, all the good things. The lemonade, of summer. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as much as I love summer, Mike, I am the opposite regarding fall. That's a fact. Shorter Not days, bad. more clothes, everything's dying. I am mm -hmm. not a fan of fall. Pumpkin lattes suck, and I don't want any part of yeah, them, Mike. Not great. No. Mike, impromptu Doc G top three. My favorite seasons, winter number three, spring uh, close number two, summer number one. Fall doesn't even make the cut. So true. Not anywhere on there. Nice. I would okay. rather be in dead winter than fall. Because at least I know I'm as low as I can go as far as seasons. <laughs> True. It's only Fall, only you're just getting lower. Here. It's just you're falling yeah. down the hill. No, thank you. Mm -mm. Now, Mike, luckily, of course, BuzzFeed has given me a quiz. Yes. Titled, Are You One of Those People That Despises Everything About Fall? Yes! Take this <laughs> quiz, and I bet I can guess. Guess what, Mike? Apparently, I don't like fall. Nope. I took the quiz, and the folks at BuzzFeed <laughs> verified my brain is accurately telling me I don't like fall. Hmm. So there you go. Now, <laughs> Mike, I want to see if you love fall. So I've got another okay. quiz. Okay. I've got another quiz, another BuzzFeed quiz. I'm going to give you two food choices. Well, actually, multiple food choices. You're going to... Excuse me. You're going to pick your favorite, and based on your food choices, it will tell us if you secretly love fall, Mike. I am so excited for this. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Let me bring this. I'm going to cue it up here. <laughs> um, now, first he off. He loves fall. Wait, what? First off, Mike, I do want to say, uh, full disclosure, I did take this quiz already myself, and apparently... Uh, the, they found out again, BuzzFeed found out again, I love summer. Say what? So even my food choices are pointing me towards summer as well. Oh, so, okay. There you go. Uh, okay. So let's see. Does this, uh, does it have a, a title? Okay. Uh, the title of this quiz, Mike, is a lot of people doubt me, 
but I really can guess your favorite season based on the foods you choose. That's that's the title. Okay, so the first one, you got to pick a drink. We've got four drinks, Mike. Lemonade, iced tea, hot cocoa, smoothie. Hmm. I'm going to go with lemonade. Lemonade. It is chosen. Okay. Next one. Pick a breakfast food. Cinnamon rolls. Oatmeal. Cup of coffee. Yogurt. Hmm. Cup of coffee. Okay. We have diverged, Mike. I did not breakfast go. Breakfast food? I, <laughs> did, I did not go with cup of coffee. I went Our with breakfast I went with cinnamon roll because I'm a fatty. That's what I did. Okay. Uh, yeah, cinnamon rolls are delicious. Pick a lunch. <clears throat> Chicken wings, BLT, salad, burger. Hmm. I say BLT. I did that too. Uh, yeah, BLTs are. My, my, my logic there was like, I was like, I was like, <laughs> Wings are going to be too heavy. That's going to give me the itis in the middle of the day. Same with a burger. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. salad's not going to really be satisfying. Not enough. A BLT, yeah, not enough nice substance. in the middle. That's good. Yeah, right there. Pick a dinner. Hmm. Chili, hot dogs, lasagna, vegetable soup. Chili. Chili. Okay. Yeah. That, that diverged from me, Mike. I bet you can guess what I went with. Lasagna? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, a little bit of that Italian soul food, man. I can't, I can't yeah. not. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to turn down lasagna, especially, yeah. It's hard to make. If it's made right, man, oh my gosh. Yeah. I went to this Italian deli one time in Baltimore. Uh, I, I, I want to say it's like uh, Pascali's. I can't remember the name of it. But it sounds right. It's literally <laughs> been there for over a hundred years. Not exaggeration. Okay. I know that. And it's just a deli, but they also like make things every single day, you know, and like sell mm-hmm. it. Sort of like like almost like Whole Foods, except actually real instead of Whole Foods. Yeah, like you could like window shop the kind of like half frozen food. Yeah, exactly. Kind of pre-made food. Yeah. Exactly. And they had lasagna there and they gave me like a seven pound block of lasagna. That was yeah. for lunch, not for dinner. And I went into a hard itis after that. Like, <laughs> I remember the rest of the day, I was just in my hotel, like, I should probably do some other things. Nah. <laughs> went back to sleep. Mm. Woke up on a park bench. I yeah. Like, oh, what happened? <laughs> oh, God. Should use that as anesthetic in hospitals. Uh, pick a dessert ice cream. Brownies, apple crisp, brownies, slushy, <laughs> brownies. Amen. That's what I went with Definitely too. Brownies. Amen. That's what I went with too. What season am I? Come on. What? what? There's just what, no way you can pin this season. What? What do you think? What do you think it is, Mike? Maybe a spring. Maybe it's more of a spring spring uh, diet. <laughs> Mike, you love hot weather and cool treats. You're right with me. Summer, man. Yeah. You okay. are with right. summer. There we go. That is there it. We go. So me and you, summer. That's what you can do. Summer. I, I I don't. You diverge from a couple of my the coffee. 
I mean, that's not a cool treat. So I don't know yeah. how that, you know, but I think every- Coffee's good every time, all, all the time. It was, it was coffee and chili. Both of those are not cool treats. So I still mm. don't know how this came up with summer for you. That's oh, a little okay. confusing. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Those yeah. are not cool treats. Yeah. Nope. Those are mm -hmm. hot treats. And yeah. I went with lasagna in that and uh, cinnamon rolls, which also mm. are not cool treats. So, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, basically what I'm saying is maybe this uh, it chooses summer for everybody because it already is the best season. So they're just like, you yeah. know what? That's what everybody should go with. Regardless, you don't love fall. That is it. Okay. And I don't love all right. fall. We all know now because of these quizzes we're not fans of fall, okay? No. We're not. I guess not. We're not fans of fall. So there's nothing we can do, though, Mike. It's coming up. Fall okay. is upon us. So we have got yeah. to party through this season on the Doc G Show. We got to make it okay. worth everybody's while about just giving them the straight fire on the Doc G Show. Are you ready to that fire is true, it up? Doc G. Let's fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two. One, zero, and liftoff. Woo! Oh, man, Mike. We have a fantastic artist today on the show. My goodness. The one, the only, Doug Aldridge, lead guitarist for the Dead Daisies rock supergroup, my friend. Mm. Rock nice. supergroup. Have you ever heard of Dio, Mike? The famous Ronnie Dio used to lead Black Sabbath after Ozzy Osbourne. Has some great songs in the 70s and 80s. He played with Dio. Have you ever heard oh, okay. Whitesnake, Here I Go Again? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Played for almost a decade with Whitesnake. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. And we've got him right here. That's incredible. On the Doc G Show. Oh, man. We're going to talk. He almost joined Kiss back in the day, Mike. Almost joined really? Kiss. Yeah, 1983. Almost joined Kiss. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what. What? Uh, I wonder what. Why he did? Well, uh, I'll spoiler alert, and this is already out there. Again, this is the main reason that I brought it up in the interview, anyways, Mike. But spoiler alert, it's because he was at a different place in his life. Ah. He he was 18, and they were like 40 by that time. A thir okay. thir 30 something, you know, late 30. They'd already been touring gotcha. for over a decade, you know. So like they yeah, yeah, yeah. they were for like, sure. we love we love how you play, but good lord, we don't want to have to like teach you everything about going out on the road and like what you need to do and all that stuff. Apparently, he didn't mm -hmm. even have a working phone at that time. Wait, what? He went ah. he went out there to L.A didn't know that he had to pay a phone bill. So he moved into a place, had a phone, and they cut his service after three months because he didn't pay it. And so he just didn't have a phone. So they had to call him at the uh, at the record store that he was working at and be like, hey, is Doug Aldridge here at this record <laughs> store? Like, it's my business line. Yeah, so, you know, uh, he, had, he had a lot to learn. At that young okay. age, yeah, and, and 18, man, you're it's too young to, yeah, you're ignorant. Let's be honest, yeah, and that's, yeah uh, in, in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong, yeah. any listeners out there that are 18, if you're out there, you're not you got it together 
but you don't have together, you know yeah. a lot of things you just haven't put them all together yeah and you're a little mm-hmm. too confident with the things you have i was definitely way too confident <clears throat> with the things i knew at 18 it was like i am effing awesome <laughs> yeah. i wasn't effing awesome not at all me neither not, not at all close. uh no. but i can't wait to talk to doug it's gonna be super fun but before we get to doug we need to start where we start mike Birthday suit. That is correct. Happy birthday, Mr. President. That is correct. Uh, I the birthday suit. think you've got this one. Pretty sure. Okay. Uh, there's one huge clue. There's one big thing that he's been in. And I got to say, um, he hasn't been in a lot recently. He, hmm. he might have been doing some stand-up. I think he's still doing stand-up, but like... He sort of, I mean, no offense to him, but like, I, I haven't really seen much. Been sort of quiet mm. since like 2014. Anywho, uh, born on August 31st, 1971 in Atlanta, Georgia. Our birthday suit wearer was one of six kids. Started making jokes to get attention. After grad, I, I, you know, I don't know. That's not really unique, right? There's not too many people. <laughs> I'm going to start making jokes to avoid attention. really what people do Um, after graduating high school he ended up moving to LA to pursue comedy he started gaining traction when he appeared uh, several times on Def Jam uh, Def Jam Comedy or Def Comedy Jam Uh, Mm. then in 1994 he got a big break when he starred alongside Ice Cube in the movie Friday Then in 1998, he starred in his most famous role as Detective James Carter in the movie Rush Hour with Jackie Chan. He also appeared in two sequels, Rush Hour 2 and Rush Hour 3. In 2011, he made his return back to uh, doing full-time stand-up. Name that birthday suit wearer. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker is correct. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't heard too many things besides. I saw a video of him recently. Uh, he's like doing these videos where people are trying to like, are you Chris Tucker? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not Chris Tucker. Uh, and he's like, but you sound and almost look exactly like Chris Tucker. He's like, no, nah, I'm not Chris Tucker. He's, and then they follow him around. He's know. doing the Tony Hawk. He's doing the Tony. Yeah. I love, uh, have you seen those of Tony Hawk that he does that? Like where people ask No, him. I've read his tweets. I read the tweets. I've not seen any videos. There, of, there's uh, some, they've gotten a couple of videos. I watched one where he was on a, a airplane and like the person was just like, if I rem- remember it correctly, like the person was going on about like Tony Hawk and being like, they're so amazing. What do you do? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, um, I forget what he said. He didn't say he was a skateboarder, but I can't remember what he said. And they were like, you should check out Tony Hawk, though. He's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, just, uh, it's good. It's good. What is that? What is that, Doctor? Why do people do that? It's probably my favorite, like, you know, not being recognized, recognized thing. Um, if you ever watch the Dream Team documentary about the 1992 Dream, uh, Olympic uh, basketball team, uh, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley were just like recognized everywhere. You know, everybody yeah. literally everywhere was like, oh my God, there they are. And then they had just, you know, just mobbed mm-hmm. them. John yeah. Stockton, at one point in time, they were going to a game. They're in a bus, right? And they've got security all around them. There's like helicopters flying over them. And they're just stuck in traffic. 
And, like, they're literally just, you know, on a normal street, and they can't move anywhere because of these, like, mobs of people. And, like, John Stockton, after, like, 45 minutes of sitting there, is just like, I'm just going to get out and walk. Nobody cares who I am. And he literally, <laughs> yeah. he literally walked out. Not a single person talked, like, not a single person was like, oh, it's yeah. John Stockton, assist leader in the NBA. No. No. Like, he went down... Uh, Las Ramblas, you know, the, the, the main drag there in Barcelona where everybody mm -hmm. is. And he had a video recorder, like, and it, they show all of his home video on the documentary. And he's walking around and he's asking people. He's like, he, he finds people that obviously goofy Americans that are there. And he's like, hey, you're American, right? They're like, what? How'd you guess? And they got a giant Uncle Sam hat and like a <laughs> seven American flags. They're like, yeah, it's a couple giveaways. But um, <laughs> he's like, you're American, right? Have you seen any uh, American athletes? They're like, yeah, a couple. And they start mentioning them. And he's like, have you seen uh, any of the basketball players? And they're like, Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah, saw it. He's awesome. And they're like, yeah, he is cool. I like him. Anybody else? And they're like, no, nobody else. And like, <laughs> there, there was one guy in particular that had an actual shirt with all of the players on it, right? And he's like, any, any of the basketball players? And he's like, yeah, Charles Barkley. And he's like, anybody else? They're like, no, nobody else. And John Stockton's son is with him, who's like five. And he just points up to the shirt and he's like, that's my daddy. And he's like, huh? huh? And he like looks down at the shirt and he's like, oh, wait, wait is that you? Is he, you're here. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm on the team. Yeah, that's me. And I'm just like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm your height. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the main thing. Just a boring-looking white dude that's six feet tall. So, you know, that's... that. Yeah, like, how did he look 50 back then when he was, like, 32 or whatever so he was? Maybe, like, late 20s. Such a conservative fella, you know? I'm going to have a yeah. little, just a normal, just a normal comb over nice and tight and yeah uh, like polo shirt tucked into khaki shorts that's it you know i look like i'm headed to my job as an accountant that's all i'm doing yeah. so yeah but chris tucker i got completely sidetracked chris tucker is turning 51 51 wow. for chris tucker and yeah, I, I mean, I, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll come up with something crazy, Mike, but I don't know if he's ever... He still does stand-up, just like he does, like, guest bots and yeah. stuff. He doesn't do, like, he doesn't, like, have actual shows. Like, he'll pop into other people's shows and just, like, do guest bots. That's the great thing that you can do when you're, when you've already Famous, sort of solidified yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be really nice, you know? Oh, yeah. There's no build-up, too. Like, like, you know, you've got that build-up of being like, oh, crap. I got that show scheduled. Oh, man. He can just sit there one yeah. night and be like, you know what? I'm feeling it. Let's go do it. And just, boom, mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah. You know, no build. That's got to be nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Turning 51, don't know if he's ever going to beat uh, uh, Rush Hour. That was huge. Mm. He, I mean. Yeah, it was big. Like, 98 to 2002, that's that's it. Everybody. He was He was, like, almost like that it dude at that time. Like you saw him everywhere. Yeah, people are quoting him. Yeah, yeah. you saw you saw yeah. him on uh, on T uh, uh, TRL on MTV. You see him on BET on on the six. Like you just saw him everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Mike, happy birthday to Chris Tucker. Are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines. 
It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, big news. Clear your schedule and get ready to party. A new Guinness World Record. <laughs> yes. For longest cucumber. Huh? Yeah. Ooh. That's right. That's, and Cucumbers. that is not a euphemism, Mike. That is a real <laughs> vegetable cucumber. Sebastian Susky, who is originally mm. from Poland, grew the cucumber in Southampton, England. He beat the previous record by two and a half inches. Sebastian's cucumber is three feet and eight at three feet, 8.6 inches long. Wow. That's, that's a long cucumber. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. When asked about his record cucumber, Sebastian said, quote, I'd grown big cucumbers, but never quite long enough to beat the existing Guinness World Record title holder. Growing super long cucumbers is risky business. If you cut too soon, you're not going to have a record breaker. But if you leave it on too long, you get into the danger zone. You mm. risk your cucumber rotting as it grows. You Ooh. don't want it exploding on you. Yeah. I think we can exploding cucumber. I think we can all agree, Mike. It explodes. You don't want your cucumber turning rotten and exploding on you. That is Nope. I can agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Sebastian is completely correct. Now, Mike, it wasn't all easy breezy street for him getting to this world record. <laughs> he uh, he almost missed the opportunity for this record. As he puts it, quote, doctors found a leaking blood vessel in my head. Wait, what? So I spent a week in the hospital. But luckily, my wife, Renata, was on hand to care for the cucumber and keep her well watered and nourished. <laughs> oh, no, Mike. If I've got a blood vessel in my head leaking like a leaky faucet, not going to be too concerned about my cucumber. Sort of sort of come back and be like, oh, I forgot I was growing that because I was worried about my head exploding. <laughs> not being like, oh, God, just make sure, Renata, the cucumber is fine. Yes! Don't worry about my head. Just make sure it gets water <laughs> and sun. Like... Anyways, hats off to Sebastian, Mike. Hats off, world record cucumber. <clears throat> Good for him. And Congrats, hats bro. off, way to still be alive. Both huge accomplishments. Yeah. Those are yeah, his wife coming in clutch with the. You go, Renata. The assistant. You yeah. do it. Thank you, uh, Mike. New research is out from the company Higher Visibility. They interviewed a wow. thousand Generation Z folks, age sixteen to twenty-five about what they wanted to do as far as employment. And over 30% of the surveyed folks said they wanted to become social media influencers. Yep. And o- Just like us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we are influencing people right now. And only 7.13 said they aren't interested in becoming social media influencers. So... 93% of these folks left the door open. Like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I don't care. That sounds good. Now, on the survey, most respondents estimated that influencers made between $75,000 and $100,000 a year. And one of the reasons, or the reasons that they were interested in becoming social media influencers were free products and meeting other influencers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Hmm. And I got to say, Mike, I uh, uh, free products, yes. But meeting other influencers, no. Hard pass. I don't give a about other influencers. Like, <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean, uh, I guess there's some people out there, but like, n- no. No. What? Pass. Yeah. Second, Mike, interesting from this uh, survey, more men said they wanted to be social media influencers than women. Hmm. Yeah. And why that is. 26 respondents said they trust influencer product reviews over product page reviews. But you got to say, Mike, Good to know. I'm not sure if that 26% realizes that's what they're getting paid to do. It's the same thing as a product page review. Oh, pretty much. They're being really positive about this product. It's crazy. <laughs> and they got the logo down there at the bottom of the screen. That's weird. Oh, it's like it's. I in, trust this. It's like it's endorsed <laughs> by the company or something. Weird. Uh, now, a lot of Gen Xers and baby boomers, even some millennials, Mike, might be losing their mind. Like, oh, over a third of Gen Zers are trying to be social media influencers, right? I, I could see that. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, that, that's not really surprising when you think about it, you know, because I mean, Gen Zers, they're in, they're inundated with social media. It's what they see. It's yeah. what they do. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go back to 1975, uh, there was probably an <clears throat> even split between dudes wanting to become professional athletes and rock stars, you know, like if you oh, did yeah. the same survey, it'd be like 50, 50, you know? Yeah, for sure. And what happened? After scoring eight points in the playoff game, 95% of those dudes were like, you know what? I'll get another job. Probably <laughs> probably not going to be an athlete, you know? Well, at least I made it to the playoffs. I didn't even get picked, Doc uh, G. No picks. No picks. No lockers. <laughs> F school, man. Girl, come on. Uh, Nothing. In the, ca- in the case of these folks, though, I mean, you know, I'm sure after 15 followers, they'll be like, you know what? Maybe I should get another it's gonna job. It's going to be hard. Yeah. You know what? Maybe 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 something else. Um, Mike, let's head to Detroit, where we've got an interesting story revolving around Horace Sheffield. Uh-oh. So Horace is a prominent reverend in Detroit and a prominent advocate for civil rights. Been working, working the civil rights game for 30-some-odd years, just getting it nice. done, you know, doing the Lord's work. Recently, he came out and told the U.S. Bureau of Investigative Journalism that R.J. Reynolds, the maker of the most popular brand of menthol cigarettes, Newports, tried to bribe him into campaigning throughout the country to fight the banning of menthol cigarettes. Wait, what? And we're talking big money here, Mike. Apparently, and he's got he's got text and like emails to prove this. They were offering him up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars to start doing this. Ah, uh, that's not a lot though. I feel like cigarette companies. I thought you were about to say like two million. Oh, they, they, he could <laughs> he could work them up there. I bet you. I mean, yeah. you know, he could work. Them, I mean, that's like first offers. You know, I mean, true, that, true, true. That's not even yeah. any debate. Like he wasn't responding to that, yeah. and they were just like two fifty. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Now, in case the folks out there don't know, the FDA announced, Mike, that they are going to ban menthol cigarettes earlier this year. That's what they said. 
all menthol cigarettes were going to be didn't banned in the U.S. Yes. And in case the listeners didn't know, 85% of menthol cigarette smokers are black. It hmm. is the predominant choice of African Americans as far as smokers in the U.S. And oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. First off, Mike, I got to say hats off to Horace Sheffield. Standing strong. Didn't react at all, you know? He said... Find another whore for your scheme, R.J. Reynolds. <laughs> so, first Good off, salute to Horace. Good job, Reverend Sheffield. We appreciate that. Second, Mike, I can't decide if the FDA is trying to, like, help black folks or just sort of be a Like, I get it. Hmm. Obviously, this ban is going to save thousands of lives. That's awesome. Like, any ban of any type of cigarettes. Uh, yeah. Great. Great. But it is a little suspect that they're getting rid of menthols, you know? I mean, I mean, you know, since 85% of those menthol cigarette smokers are black, seems a little suspect. So true. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe to get the menthol smokers feeling a little less victimized, we ban something else. Uh, for another group of people. Like, maybe, along with menthol cigarettes, we ban pumpkin spice lattes to 30-year-old white ladies. And then, <laughs> now, I mean, we'll be even, right? We'll just, okay, there we go. Now we feel better. There we go. But, uh, Mike, I mean, let's just FDA. Let's just ban all cigarettes. How about that? Come on. Yeah, gonna do especially that? those vapes, man. Ugh, just ban, vapes ban, are so ban bad. it all, man. Ban it all. I'm yeah, fine with ban it. it all. But then again, you know, I'm, I'm not addicted to them, so it's easy for me to say True. that. True. <laughs> yeah, same, 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 same. Anyways, Mike, uh, our last story. Uh, well, I got two stories. Let's see if I can get through both of them. I don't know. Mike, this next story fascinates me, though. Uh, and there's one main reason that it fascinates me. So in Denver, the FBI is looking for a man who has now robbed three banks in the Denver metropolitan area. Hmm. This is a white man, 5'9", in his 30s, that wears a hat and a pair of sunglasses. And they have titled him. They have given him the title, The Empty Promise Bandit. <laughs> Wait, what? Really weird, Mike. So, hmm. apparently, this is where the nickname comes from. His his actions once he is robbing the bank. So, apparently, this guy goes into the bank, and they say, this is the exact quote, the robber presents demand notes, and in the demand note, he makes assertions that he will never be able to follow up on. Word. So, the news companies ask the FBI... What are you talking about? And they wouldn't specify on what those assertions are that he's <laughs> he's demanding in the demand notes. What the is this dude asserting in these notes, Mike? Hmm. Like, just by the way they've worded it, it makes me think it's like the weirdest assertions about himself ever. Like... He hands over the note and it says, this note is to inform you that I'm robbing this bank. P.S. I'm starring in the sequel to Boogie Nights. I play Dirk Diggler's <laughs> son. Huh? Uh, I, I guess I'll get you money. Why? Why is he telling me about this? Is this movie really coming out? Are they having a sequel? 
Do I need to check this out? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna get the like. What is he? What is he asserting, Mike? Like they can't even give us mm. a hint. Like yeah, come on. They can't be like, oh, it's threats to families, or it's this or that. Like just by them saying assertions, like that's what I'm thinking. Just like random weird things about himself that he's like, mm, yeah. I once climbed three mountains in one weekend. I did that. <laughs> Here's that. your money, but I'm going to do some research. Yeah. Like oh, he I didn't don't, climb gonna, them. Empty I'm, promise. I'm going <laughs> to follow up on that. I don't know if I believe that or not. I'm going to find out about this. Day. Oh, well, I can't follow up. I don't know his name. He got me again. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, Mike. So weird. If you're in the Denver area, listeners, keep a lookout. Keep a lookout for the empty promises robber. Empty Wait. promises? Em empty promise bandit. Sorry, get his name right. Empty promise bandit. <laughs> Mike, before we go to break, we got a story out of Franklin County, Vermont. Mm. John Gris. Yeah, your, 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 your place. That's our spot. You need to what visit, man. Need to Come on. Not this place. We don't need to go to Franklin County, apparently. <laughs> John Grismore. <laughs> John Grismore was a captain with the Franklin County Sheriff's Office. Not too long ago, Captain Grismore decided to run for sheriff of the county. And you know, you run for sheriff. You got to get elected to be sheriff. Yeah. Not too long after he decided to run for sheriff, a video surfaced of him kicking and beating a detainee. Wait, what? Hmm. Notice, listeners, I didn't say inmate or prisoners. This was just a guy being detained by the police in a two-hour video. So, the state uh, police performed an investigation. He was suspended, and then he was eventually fired from his position as captain. Guess what, Mike? He's still running to be sheriff. Not good. No yeah. bueno. No bueno. If you ever hear somebody wonder aloud why local elections are important, this would be one of the reasons. This right here is why they're important. Uh, listeners, just imagine you work at a TGI Fridays and your shift manager gets fired for yelling at a customer and everybody's like, woo, thank God that guy's gone. And then the next month he shows up as the general manager of the entire restaurant. That's what's happening here. That's <sighs> the issue. Horrible. Horrible, yeah. Mike. That no, sucks. No, thank you. Mike. We are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guests. This is the Dead Daisies with Radiance right here on the Doctor. See, where is the 
We are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? They need to subscribe to the mm-hmm. show. Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. SoundCloud. That's right. Follow us on the socials, yep. Instagram. Yes, sir. Do we have TikTok? No, not yet. We not will yet. get there. We will get there once it is already past the phase and nobody wants to use it. Basically, like Facebook is now, that's when we're going to jump. In fact, right now we're starting our Facebook page, listeners, (laughs) and MySpace, both of them. We're moving in. It's going to be hot. All right? We're putting all the best tunes on MySpace. It's going to be sweet, listeners. Top five mm-hmm. bulletins. Everything. Everything. You, <laughs> you're going to find our favorite. Uh, uh, yeah, top five. That's what it is. I've, I, I never yeah. used MySpace <laughs> enough to actually know. Uh, I, I have oh. done that a couple times, Mike, on really uh, some uh, past interviews. I went back and found uh, artists' MySpace pages. That's they were crack. still up. They hadn't taken them down. Uh, and a couple yeah. of them didn't even know they were still up. Like, I hunted them down. They're like, holy crap, that's still up. You couldn't hear anything, right? And I was like, no, they lost the music, sadly. Uh, and I couldn't hear. And they're like, yes, Oh, yeah, God. they were like, oh, God. Oh, that was scary for a second. <laughs> I scared the crap out of Upsol, uh, the um, uh, great singer there out of uh, Arizona when she was on the show because I found, I found her song uh, from when she was uh, 12 or 11, the first song she ever wrote. It's still up. And she didn't know it's still up. And I was like, and right when we ended the interview, I was like, here we go. And I announced the song. And she's like, what? And I was like, I'm kidding. We're not going to play that. She's like, oh, oh, thank God. Oh, I was like, you need to go find where that is and take it off the internet. Come on now. I guess one of those things. You can't get rid of it. Nope. Anyways, Mike. No, I don't think so. I got sidetracked. We need to thank the folks that always listen to the show, the regulars. We do. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, and Los Angeles, California. Shout out. Yes. Yes. Nice. Good list, Mike. Good, solid, regular list. Really nice. Obviously, list. always love the internationals. No shade mm-hmm. to the domestics, but love the internationals. Nope. Yep. Uh, Semi regulars, Mike. Got a couple of interesting ones going here. Shout out. Shout out to Georgetown, Canada, Wesley Chapel, Florida, Kansas City, Kansas. Hey, <laughs> Delhi, India, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Westfield, New Jersey. Porto Alegre, Brazil, Boca Raton, Florida, Tokyo, Japan, Raleigh, North Carolina, Cortland Manor, New York, Salt Lake City, Utah, Aruca, Trinidad, and Tobago. Shout out. Nice. Yeah. You, you know some Trini- Trinidadians, right, Mike? I've, I've, I, I dated a Trinidadian lady. What? Once. Yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't turn the air conditioning on in her house, so deal breaker. <laughs> So true. Used to it, Total man. One used, and done. I was out. Used to that hot humidity, you know? Just getting in there. Yeah. I mean, I keep my house pretty warm, but not nothing. 
That's way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like way people too die much. in these conditions, you know. I, like I, I, I keep it. I keep it a good seventy-eight to eighty, which I know a lot of uh, a lot of folks are disgusted by right now that are listening. But uh, you know, I mean, in Florida, man, when you're in pure summer mode, if you leave it at like seventy, it's like a effing fridge when you walk into your house. You can't like yeah. It's, it's too cold. It's, it's like un- artificially cold. Yeah, too. It's, it's frosty, and like if you're sitting in that for a long time, like you start getting chilled. It's just bad. I don't like it. I don't mm. like it. Anyways, thanks to everybody that listened. Uh, Mike's ex, if that's who was from Trinidad <laughs> and Tobago, thank you. Um, uh, even though you're you're not a fan doubt. of Mike anymore, doubt, <laughs> doubt, 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 doubt. <laughs> Mike, are you ready to move on to the miscellaneous file? Yeah, what do we got? Mike, you don't have any uh, tattoos, correct? None. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zero tats. There aren't too many of you folks left. You know? Yeah, I know. Less folks roaming around these days, but I, you know, I, I want to get one. I want to get one. Just scared. Mike, I res- I respect the, cr- I respect the group. You know, I respect the crap out of the group that Thank doesn't you. have tattoos. Uh, you know, whether whatever the reasoning is, but I gotta say, I am getting a little tired of the folks that have to brag that they don't have any tattoos. Ah, like guys. I don't, I don't know if you know this group, Mike, but there's a group that brags about their zero tattoos and they insinuate from that that they're smarter than anybody else because they don't have any tattoos. Hmm. What? Come on. Have you ran into that group? No. I hope I don't. They're, I they're like, don't. well, I'm 40 years old. I've never had a tattoo. I'm never going to have one because uh, I know better. <laughs> Word. Like, Get out of here. How does that make you smart, Mike? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't understand how that... It's a stylistic choice. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not like something that somebody's like, do you want this or that? And you're like, oh, made a bad choice. It's what you like. It's what you mm-hmm. like. It's not. It's like that's like saying, I've never lived in a craftsman style home because obviously I know better. I wouldn't. Live in <laughs> like, what's wrong with a craftsman style home? Well, yeah, when no. you're when you're eighty when you're when you're eighty years old and you're still living in a craftsman style home, you'll regret it. Word. You'll regret it. Listen, Mike, regardless, tattoos, craftsman-style home, if I'm 80 and my biggest regret is living in a craftsman-style home, I have one life. That's (laughs) the same thing with tattoos. If my biggest regret when I'm 80 is like, oh, no, this thing on my arm, then I won. Awesome life. The end. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Anywho, Mike, I just thought I'd bring that up. Also, whenever somebody does have that insinuation in their tone, I do want to jump in and be like, you do realize nine out of ten people in this room hate you right now, right? Just, <laughs> just, I'm I mean, smart enough to you, know that that's not true. <laughs> you may not care, but, you know, I'm just, just throwing out statistics here. Um, Mike, this is, a, this is a short observation, too, uh, and I come across this one uh, often, and I wanted to see if I'm the only one. So, I'm sure you have seen this. I don't know if you interpret it the same way I do. So, you're corresponding with a person, whether it's text message or it's email. Corresponding back and forth, several messages. Mm -hmm. They're all pretty cordial. Everything's nice. And then the last response from that person is, thank you, period. Wait, what? Period's not good. Am I the only person that reads this as... 
fuck you. Yeah. Is that... <laughs> That's what I get from it. That's exactly it. That's Thank what you I, with a middle finger. Yes. Yes. It's the period. Like you said. The period. If you put thanks, fine. <laughs> that's good. If you put thank you without the period, that'd still be slightly highfalutin, but it, I'd be mm -hmm. fine with it. I'd be like, yeah. okay. But yeah. the period, it's so final. It's like mm -hmm. the text email equivalent of a subdued door slam. Just like, yeah, thank you. Is. Get out of here, f like just, <laughs> just I, I, and and like I know most of the time, most of the time, the person that's doing it doesn't mean it to be that way because I know the person. Oh, no, I'm gonna say half the time, Doc G. I'm sorry, half the I, time? I don't give these people any credit. Okay, nah, they okay. know what they're doing. <laughs> All right, screw you, people. Then stop doing <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. I'm sorry. Stop doing it. Period. Yeah. After thank you. If you're not sixty, it's unexcusable. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point let's separate it that is that is if you're over the age let's e even bring it down to 55 if 55, you're over the yeah. age of 55 there's a there's a a need to it's try to make yeah. everything as grammatically and syntax correct yeah exactly so you're just like <laughs> period there we go got it uh -huh. but if you are 35 and younger and you did that no way. No. No, no way. Not uh, good. Mike, are you ready for some quick hitters? Yes. Mike, I've got a couple. of These have made me happy, these quick hitters here. Uh, this good. is a story from Pennsylvania. Here's the headline. Quote, Python on the loose in Duquesne after getting away from the owner while on a walk. Huh? Ah, uh, the Python walk. I'm no reptilian expert, Mike, but you have to have legs to walk, right? Yeah, that's a, you do. That's a thing? Pretty sure. Mm -hmm. that's a, second, regardless of your walking ability, how fast is a python getting away from you? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, they're not cheetahs. Like, they're not, they slither, and they don't even slither fast. Like, no, very slow. Like, you, you, oh, they're like, unless there was like a sewer grate that they just flew down that you're like, oh, d there, I can't, like, they're not just going to slither away from you in front of you on the sidewalk. Like, oh, who would have known they're so fast? Like, <laughs> Leash your python. Come on. It's, it's tough. Don't you know, unleash. When they're just all different size circle the whole way down. Doctor, I do wonder, though. I do wonder, you know, like, Alligators don't seem very fast, but have you ever seen one can in move. full run? They can move. So can pythons or anacondas no. at full sprint? No, they're always not slow. nearly that fast. Well, like okay. you know, they have different ambush styles of attack. Ah, okay. Not super different, but they do have different ambush attacks, right? Like because uh, alligators will use it to like ward off predators and whatnot. Right. Uh, Python's not going to try to do that. It's not going to try to, like, run up on a predator and be like, ah, get away from me. I'm a python ah, now. No. It no. sneaks up. It just Python sneaks. is going to be behind some bushes just waiting yeah. for that mouse to be like, hey, it's an awesome day, and I'm not getting strangled. To oh, sh no. <laughs> like, you know, that's... <laughs> Eh, sadly, what pythons do—they're they're ambush predators, which yeah, so are okay. alligators, but they—they're a little bit different because 
Alligators, yeah, they can run fast. They hang out if in the water. Necessary. They sneak up in the water. Yeah, they don't chase. They just sneak up so closely until you like you're. They're too close. Both for of you to them get away. Both of yeah. them will do that as ambush predators. But Got like you. I said, defense-wise, alligators can run in defense, and mm, that's what okay. they'll do. You know. Um, Thank you, Doctor. I appreciate you breaking that down. Either right. one. I would not want to fight. Nope. I'll no. just go ahead and say that. Ne- neither one. Although, I think if you give me which one I had to fight, okay, if I have a weapon, I'm going python. Because <laughs> if I have yeah. a weapon, right, if you have a knife, and, and it tries to it tries to constrict you, you can just stab the shit out of that thing. It's done. It's got to be right yeah, yeah, on yeah. you to attack you, right? For Whereas sure. an alligator, if it gets one mouthful on you, you are effed. You yeah, know, you are. if death that roll, man. that jaw, yeah, if that jaw gets on you, ouchie, real yeah. ouchie, and then it's gonna drag you into the water. So, but super interesting, all kinds of uh, videos and articles out there of pythons being an invasive species in the Everglades, fighting uh, alligators who are the apex predator originally in the uh, Everglades. Hey. Very intense, new YouTube, Mike. New to YouTube rabbit hole for me today. Very intense. Very <laughs> Alligator intense. versus python. Th- they'll go for hours attacking each other, man. Hours. And there's different... There's some that the python came out on top. There's some that the alligator comes out oh, on top. Oh, interesting. It's, interesting. it's wild. It's wild. There was one where the python won. Alligator busted out of the effing stomach of uh, the, the python not yes. an exaggeration yeah crazy can't wait to see that <laughs> anyways got sidetracked mike next quick hitter uh a florida bus a florida school bus this was the one i was talking about florida Attacked school bus <laughs> right here in duval <laughs> county made headlines when it was uh when it was videoed going down the highway and lost a wheel oh so the video shows the bus going down the road and the wheel just rolling slightly behind it. Just just going. The school district said, quote, we are aware of this issue as it has happened a second time this week. The district said its, its contractor is also aware of the issue and is working to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's Mike, good. Mike, I'm no mechanic. <laughs> But wouldn't the solution be fix the wheel to the axle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like a pretty simple fix there, doesn't? Mm-hmm. How do we? Seems like it keeps coming off. What are we gonna do here? Is, uh, hmm. Maybe bolt it on. Okay, hmm. that sounds good. I should Google this. <laughs> Mike, I've come up with a motto for Florida public schools. Quote: Your child definitely isn't safe in school. And now they're not even safe driving to school. No. New quote. New quote. Can't do either. (laughs) Can't do either. Mike, in the story, they talked uh, to a concerned parent, and her name, not made up, Gladys Wheelings. Gladys Wheelings. News Channel had to do that on purpose. They were like, wait, what's your name? Yeah, get on over here. Talk to us. Talk to us, Wheelings. (laughs) Talk to us. Mike, a new story out from the New York Post in a new documentary about Michael Jackson that was released on his birthday. It claims that Michael Jackson used 19 fake IDs to get the drugs he wanted. Huh? Mike. Not good. 
Who is believing a fi- fake ID from Michael Jackson? Look at that dude. <laughs> Come on. Oh, you're telling me you're Bill Snellington? Not the king of pop? Yeah, seems legit. All right, here's your case. Like, come on, man. Thank you. Come on, not believe. Dude, you told us. In real life, that wasn't his voice. Thank you. Thanks, bro. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Mike, new lawsuit against Whole Foods Supermarket. Hmm. New lawsuit alleges that the grocery store has antibiotics and it's beef labeled antibiotic-free. Say what? Not good. In other Not news, good. Mike, I'm filing another lawsuit that alleges men who say they don't really think their wives are fat really do think they're fat. <laughs> sort of obvious. It's one of those things, Mike. Yeah. Come on. Does anybody believe that it's antibiotic-free? I don't. Come on. We all it's one of it. those things. Yeah. Come on. You believe in Santa Claus too, folks? Grow up. That's not happening. Come on. Mike, last one here. This made some news around the country. A librarian in Idaho resigned because of constant uh, threats and intimidation tactics she was receiving from conservative activists. These conservative activists were trying to remove books that were in any way related to LGBTQ themes. Stupid idiots. Sorry. I'm sorry. Mike, I got to say, wait till these conservative activists find out there's an internet. (laughs) They are really going to have some things to ban. Because if they're worried about the library, (laughs) wow. They got a lot more things on the internet than the old library does. Plus, don't know if they know, everything that's in that library, it's already on the internet. Oh, yeah. You, you can find it on the internet. Audio versions, full text versions, PDFs. Added nudity. They'll be the do? same book. They'll just throw in yeah. some nudes in there. They'll just be so a stupid. on every page. And you'll be like, what? How that there? I don't know. It's the internet. <laughs> All right. Whatever. They're not even reading books. Why are they trying to get people to ban them? Oh, no, come, come on. Like, what Idiots. is ridiculous, Mike? Ridiculous. Mike, we ridiculous. are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Doug Aldridge. From the fantastic band Dead Daisies, right here on the Doc G Show. This Mucho Yellow and it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super happy to have guitarist for the Dead Daisies who have a new album out September 30th and are getting ready to tour the U.S., Mr. Doug Aldridge. Doug, how's it going? Good, Ben. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So getting ready to go back on the the road here in the U.S. Are you excited? Yeah, totally. We're starting in uh, 
just under a week. Nice, nice. Now, you've been uh, with the Dead Daisies six years now. Um, yeah. But obviously been playing guitar way longer, uh, 45, give or take. Uh, you started when you yeah. were back when you were 11. And I always, I always think about this. Uh, whenever I see somebody like yourself that's so talented on the guitar, and I see that you're self-taught, you know, and I feel like self-taught means something different now than it did when you learned how to play. Because, you know, now people have videos, they've got tabs, they've got all these different resources on the, at their fingertips on the internet. I'm guessing when you were learning, there was a whole bunch of trial and error. Totally. Yeah. It was, um, and also, you know, you'd learn from, you, you'd learn from friends. Yeah. Somebody would show you a little something like, you know, I mean, I never forget that when somebody, I knew how to play the, the open chords down here, mm -hmm. but when somebody told me that you could put your finger here and, and move it around, it was like, what? No way. You know, this is so, open world to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it was there was always there's always a little something you know somebody would teach you vibrato mm -hmm. or like you know some kind of a lick like a you know something simple and you just sit there and practice it forever until you got it so you got it down and then you know learning scales and different chord inversions and things was just over that, that many years we're talking about a whole lifetime you know yeah so um but I'm really like, I'm not a jack of all trades. I'm, a, I'm kind of a simple blues bass rock guitar player. That's what I do. That's what I've always done. And yeah. it, it, it works for me. It's my, you know, it, it, there's st still a lot to learn to, to be, to get better. But um, the basic, you know, blues bass rock is where I'm at. Yeah. Well, I mean, it speaks to where, what I've heard you say your favorite band was starting out i heard you were a zeppelin guy i heard the first album was zeppelin 2 yeah is zeppelin 2 your still favorite album or did some other zeppelin you know, I mean, album overtake I it i mean they're also great there's not a weak album to me of zeppelin i would say um it, sh it changes you know zeppelin 2 i need to go back and revisit it because i miss it uh physical graffiti was probably for a long time my go-to after that after hearing cashmere and stuff mm -hmm. then that that whole album opened up you know and it covers every aspect of what i love about what we all love about zep but yeah um back to your point you're right there's some it's really cool all the, the the technology that you have like youtube and stuff to learn guitar and learn like for example I, I I could I could not figure out how to play um, the rain song, mm -hmm. and somebody showed me the tuning years later. But when I was a kid, I couldn't figure it out. Now you can go on YouTube and get the exact tuning, and, exactly. and the shapes are all there, and it's pretty. It's great, you know. It, it just it expedites things a bit. But in the beginning, there was a beauty to listening to an album like Led Zeppelin two, and just trying to figure out like. You know, wh mm -hmm. what's he doing right there? Like, use your ear. It's not, you, you would try it here or, you know, try it here. Or you go, oh, he probably is doing it like 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 this. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, uh, so you just use your ear. And, it, you, and it, your ear would tell you, like, it sounds more twangy. So it's probably, you know, somewhere else. Or it sounds higher. Those are the right notes. But, oh, that's it. 
So you just by process of elimination, you figure out what it was. Yeah, I well, I I think it it builds a different guitarist in my opinion. Like you know, you 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 have like you said more of a practical sense. You have that feel after you've been pra- trying so many times, like you said, trial and error, and it's just like okay. Yeah, as soon as you hear something else, you're like, that's got to be it. And by trial and error, you also learn some things. You come across something that, oh, I've heard that before. You know, you, you, it, it's, it's really, it, it's a good point what you're bringing up because if you just go directly and learn directly off of the internet, you're, you might be missing out on some of the, your brain power that takes mm-hmm. over and pushes you in other directions. That, that practical sense, yeah, yeah. But now a little full circle on the uh, the Led Zeppelin two is your first album, and I, I saw a story uh, that was, I thought was pretty awesome. You were when you were touring with Whitesnake, somebody tells you Jimmy Page is at your show. You're like whatever, and they're like, ah, you open the door, he's there. You get to hang with with Jimmy. Uh, what you got to tell the listeners? What did you have him do to your guitar? I, I, what happened that I always would carry a guitar with me and because of, you know, I want to, when I wake up in the morning, I want to have a guitar with me in case I want to practice or yeah. get an idea or whatever. So, and they, they would switch guitars because they would want to put new strings on, on guitars every day. So they'd give me a guitar with new strings on it so I could break it in. And the one that I happened to have was a sunburst, Les Paul. And so we were talking at, you know, Jimmy was in the hallway and I invited him to come in with, with the band. He was waiting to see David, of course. Mm. And I, you know, we talked about his Les Pauls and, and about, you know, gears. He liked talking about gear. I could tell right away. You yeah. know, he was excited that I didn't, didn't ask him some Zeppelin you know, question. regular question. Yeah. He wanted to talk about his guitars. So I, I, that, that's what I found out. So at the end of the conversation, we took photos, me and him and Reb and everybody, and then I said, Jimmy, look, I hate to, I hate to ask you for something like this, but I just got to with, with this opportunity. Could would you consider? Could you scratch your initials in the back of my guitar? With and he, I said, you don't have to do the whole name. Just just do JP. You know. <laughs> and he goes, Yeah, I, I've never done that before. And <laughs> we didn't have any. We didn't have a screwdriver or anything, but there was a fork. So he took. He took the guitar and he put JP right here on the back of the, not this one, yeah. but he made it, he made a J like here. And then he just put a little, little P on the top of the J. Yeah. So it was like all in, in one, one letter. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. really cool. Awesome. Uh, he seems, I mean, you know, I've obviously never had the pleasure of meeting him. He seems like such a, a genuine dude. Like you said, just uh, in love, still in love with his craft as far as guitar. Well, he, I mean, He's a totally gentle person. When you when you, when I met him, I've met him. I met him a few times because every time David would go back with Whitesnake to uh, to England, Jimmy would come out mm. and always say hi. And he was always super kind to me. Like there was, you know, we'd always have like five minutes or something to talk. And the last time I spoke to him, uh, I think was uh, I was asking him about his acoustic sound. And he just perked right up. We were getting ready to walk on stage and he, he grabbed my arm and held me back. He's like, oh, this is how I, I said, man, your acoustic sound live was always so great. And it's, it's awesome. I don't know how you did that. It was like, pull, hold, hold my arm, pull me back. He goes, well, this is how we did it. He <laughs> took a, a piano pickup and taped it to the guitar, but you got to 
put it through the front of house and not put it through your marshals because it, it make an awful racket. I'm like, and I, I, I got you. I got you. That's great. So that's what he did. He got a piano pickup, it, but he was really like genuine and sincere about making sure I didn't plug it into my amp because he didn't want me to, you know, blow up anything or whatever. I mean, I think that gives you insight uh, of why he's so. I mean, he he he's been so amazing to music, uh, rock music, like his love. That love, it's been 60 years, 60 some years that he's been performing and he's still that excited to pull you back and be like, hold on, hold on. This is really cool. Like, I mean, you know, who, yeah. who does that? That I mean, you talk to most guys that have been performing as long as him and they'd be like, ah, let's talk about something else. I'm, I'm tired of that. Like, just, it, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, but now after, after uh, you got into guitar, you, move, you moved to LA real young. Uh, you moved right after high school and I'm not going to make you do it because, uh, I know you've got to be getting really tired of it, but for the listeners, Doug auditioned for Kiss, uh, which has got to be mind blowing for an 18 year old. And the two things I'm wondering, so long story short, listeners, he didn't get to be in Kiss. I'm sure you're aware since you didn't see him on any albums, but he wasn't in Kiss. They basically said he was in different places. He's a young dude. They're older guys. That's what happened. But I was wondering, the big thing that I was wondering, one, did you ever think that it was because you're blonde that they didn't uh, they didn't want to tell you? that, like, Because they didn't have a blonde guy until the 90s in Kiss. No, I don't know. No, they, they probably, I think they would have just, they probably would have asked me to dye my hair, imagine. But they, and, um, it was actually before my my hair was darker, a little darker. Oh, okay. Bit, at that at that time, but but what um what I was going to say that was interesting is when you go to when you when you're going to join a band, you got to be you got to be able to hang out together because not just play, you know, it's it's, it's super a important that you yeah, it's super important that you feel comfortable hanging out, like mm -hmm. could. Like, could, could, can I hang with this person in like in, in every kind of situation? Because that's basically what it is in a band when you're traveling and you're staying in hotels all the time and you're riding in vans all the time and buses and, um, you gotta be comfortable around those people or else it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And so when you start off with a, a major age difference between just one guy, it, it just, I mean, I was. I was really pleased that they asked me to audition. I didn't just show up and audition it. Yeah. Eric Carr came and saw me play and, and he said, I, I really like your playing. I want you to come do it. And then they called me. We, I went to the studio and we, then the next couple of days later, we went to a giant rehearsal room and played. And then two weeks later, they called me back mm -hmm. and I was like, wow. So there's something going on. Mm -hmm. But in the, in the end, you know, it, that, that second time was really more about hanging. We, we played a little bit together, but it was about, I just didn't have, I couldn't relate to, you know, what they you, were, what the, yeah. you know? You can have all the technical, I mean, and that that's for any job. I mean, you can do that. And I mean, any, any job really, I mean, at least that I've experienced, if you go into a second interview with that job and you are basically it's like you said they're vetting you to be like could we actually hang out with this person or are they really really weird or just in a different place and we don't want to you know we don't want to deal yeah. with that different place so 
uh you know and that it, yeah they would have been they would have been babysitting me they would have been holding my hand through everything you know yeah yeah well the other thing i wanted to ask about that did you i mean because they hadn't demasked at that time they still had their makeup did you uh did you yeah. let yourself think like what is my persona gonna be what's my kiss <laughs> no 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 i didn't think about it no i didn't think about that i was just you know what the, the thing the only thing about the makeup was i've kind of felt guilty for seeing them without their makeup because people were not supposed to see them i mean like i was i i was really um it blows me away to think about when i was young how i was really like immature for my age not just 18 but even even before that like i was younger like for example now, at the time we used to go to all the concerts that were in, in philadelphia mm -hmm. and um We'd take the train or get somebody, somebody's older brother would drive us. We'd, we'd go to everything. And it, it, it never occurred to me that the band would actually be there maybe the day before and where they would be staying at a hotel nearby. Or, mm -hmm. It never occurred to me about going backstage. It just was something that was just not even, it just, I never crossed my mind. The only thing and, was that performance in your mind. Yeah. And it wasn't until... I think one time I um, I was at the Tower Theater in Philadelphia where I saw Ozzy Osbourne play with Randy Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And we were we walked out of the front and um, we, there was a there was a tour bus and I was like, wow, that's that's really where they sleep on that. That's where they're going to be. They, they go on that bus. But then we just left. You know, we didn't like think that, hey, we should hang out and maybe say hi, yeah. you know, or, or it just didn't occur to me, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't think anything of, you know, about my, what my role in KISS could be. I just thought about, like, I really am not supposed to be seeing these guys without their makeup. <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, kind of strange. This is forbidden. This is crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, after, uh, after, after that, I, well, I mean, well, just in that, that same time period, I was thinking about this because, you know, you're out in L.A. This is 80, 82, 83. This is the start of L.A., primetime strip like i mean when you think sunset strip this is van halen reaching peak van halen rat molly crew just started wasp just started la guns is yeah. forming like did you immerse yourself in that scene were you there most nights and was it that crazy i was there in the beginning and then later i got a girlfriend and we didn't i, I actually i had the first band I was in, I lived in in LA proper, and my I'd end up at the Rainbow in the parking lot, or I'd end up at the Whiskey or the Troubadour, mm -hmm. pretty much pretty much every night, mm -hmm. you know, at that time, unless I was rehearsing with these uh, this band that I started, and then we'd be that was kind of like became more important, obviously. Yeah, and then then later, um, some buddies from Philadelphia moved out, and we started a, a new band. Mm -hmm. And we, we moved to uh, outside of L.A. County. And so we would rarely go. And we didn't have any money, at, you know, either, too. So it was, it was like, you know, kind of let's just, let's just practice our music and get our band together, then we'll go down and play. And, and yeah. at that time, people, you know, since there was no internet and stuff, people would make flyers. And, mm -hmm. they'd, they'd, you know, some of your friends would, would be, give them a couple of bucks or whatever, and they'd go down and put flyers in. And the times that I went down there, it was packed wall to wall people on both sides of the street. It was, it was craziness. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
eventually I just, you know, it was like after you've done it a couple times, you didn't really. It was, you know, it was more about the band. Yeah. What what, uh, what was your favorite? You mentioned a couple, you know, of the staples, the whiskey and and uh, and the troubadour, or whatnot. What was your favorite uh, venue to play there? Well, in the beginning, my favorite venue was the Troubadour because that place just had a sound that was insane. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it had like this this big wooden roof that was kind of like a barn or something. And they had the way they had the PA, they had the PA up because it had two, they had an upstairs and a downstairs. Mm-hmm. And they had the, the PA was, was kind of flown in the air. And the way that like doing sound check there, you just get this guitar sound. It was just like, wow, so cool. And um, it was a lot. It was I, I never played the whiskey until years later, but I mm-hmm. uh, played the Roxy a lot. Mm-hmm. Roxy was was um, probably my second favorite place. And Gazzari's I played a bunch of times. Gazzari's is not there anymore, mm-hmm. but um, that was where I was playing when when the Eric Carr came and saw me play. Nice, nice. Well, now, uh, before we get to the Dead Daisy stuff, you did, like you mentioned, you played it in all kinds of bands before the Dead Daisies. Uh, Lion, Bad Moon Rising, uh, Dio, Whitesnake, and and some of those bigger bands, Dio, Whitesnake, you stepped in too much later after, uh, you know, after the band had been around for about 20 years. And, and I yeah. just sort of wondered, was that, was that difficult in either of those situations as far as, like, you know, trying to make a niche for yourself but not really rock the boat? Um, no, it was, it was interesting. It's a good question, but it was interesting because with Ronnie, it was, um, kind of that kind of music had been out of date for a while. Mm-hmm. Like it went, it kind of went away a little while because of the whole grunge scene. And, mm-hmm. uh, so during that time I was doing sessions and working in parts of the world, like going to Japan a lot, working over there and a little bit in Europe. But, uh, when I joined Dio, it was like it was starting to come back a little bit, and then we made this album that was it was really good, and we started touring. We had a great tour with Deep Purple and Scorpions, and it was packed every night. And it was Ronnie basically just said, "I want you to, you know," he said, "I want you to be the best you can be," and and so what we're going to do is, we, you know, do your work in the studio, and then when when you're done, you know, play me what you what you what you got, and he would approve everything. But then he, he totally trusted me. He knew I wasn't going to like do something crazy or whatever. But um, I just played how I play on that deal record. Yeah. And he was, he was happy with it. Nice. And then later coming to Whitesnake, there was a little, you know, I had to play. And same with Dio. There was a lot of older songs I had to play. And right. I, fortunately, me and Vivian Campbell have a lot of similar, similar influences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so it, kind of came pretty it was not as hard as you would think to to get close to what he was doing always everyone's a little different but and then same with Whitesnake John Sykes is um also I mean we, we all love Gary Moore all me mm-hmm. Viv and John Sykes love Gary Moore and there's that kind of aspect to John's playing mm-hmm. melodic and his staccato and picking and stuff so what, it wasn't such a stretch, but at a certain point, I told David, you know, we, we've got to we got to come up with some new music, and that's where it was. It was interesting because in the U.S., people knew the '87 record era. Mm. Is this love and give yeah. me all your love tonight? Still the night. Here I go again. But in Europe, 
we had played in Europe and we'd have a totally different set list with Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City or Love Hunter or Ready and Willing, different different White Snake songs that were yeah. equally as cool, but maybe a little more bluesy. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of meld the two together and, and that's when David and I started writing and we came up with an album called Good To Be Bad. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, man. It was like it had aspects of both eras of White Snake. So I was able to get myself, my sound in there a little bit nice nice yeah me and my brother talk about that actually a lot it's it's amazing when you look at bands like white snake like i mean really any band out there you see different singles for the u.s versus europe and it's so it's so surprising to me like you know just i mean obviously they're all people but the for whatever reason marketing reasons environment whatever it is you got these singles that never made it anywhere in europe that are number ones in america or vice versa and it's just like whoa how did that happen yeah they well it was just a, I, I think with in with white snake later on that um still the night was just giant everywhere but yeah but they you know the the older white snake albums weren't really known in the u.s right. and it was because they started off more of as like a blues, blues. band mm-hmm. you know they were kind of a little bit more like, um, you know, heavy Almond Brothers or mm-hmm. something, or kind of a little bit of a Thin Lizzy vibe, maybe, with the two guitars. And the U.S. had never really, it wasn't until, I think, Slide It In was when the first the first time uh, I even heard of White Snake. Yeah. And I met a, then I, a singer for the band Lion, you mentioned, was um, in 1985, came over to Los Angeles, we started this band called Lion, and and he had all these old White Snake records that, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool. That's a great, that's a killer riff and song and whatever." Yeah. And but they, I never heard them before. These were older records. Yeah. And I think that was David. It, it kind of made David feel good that I knew about his his early start. You know, the background. Yeah, it, it's wild. I mean, you still like that's the thing is you still uh, the majority of people you bring up White Snake, they think like you said. 87 to 90 essentially they think sort of that glam metal hair metal style of those two albums and that's pretty much it yeah. uh and then you you go back and you go yeah they've been around since 74 <laughs> like they've they've been making tunes for the last for uh, over a decade before this like it, it took a while was, for america to catch up yeah it was i think it was like 78 when they really got started over there but they they made some great records with the original guys. And then I think like everybody in the, in the eighties, they wanted to get, you know, like a little more firepower on the guitar. That's when they got John Sykes. Uh, uh, weapons proliferation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dead Daisies. Uh, they've been, you guys have been around since 2013. Like I said, you, you started playing with them in 2016. And I, I noticed uh, Brian Tishy was in the band almost from the start, uh, and he played in White Snake with you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what we, originally when I joined White Snake in 2000. We were talking in 2002, and um, David said, "There's this guy Brian Tishy. I want to get to play drums. He's incredible." But Brian was busy at that time working with um, Billy Idol, mm-hmm. to co- co-writing and co-producing a record, and um, so. Of course, we, it was great that Tommy Aldridge wanted to come play. So mm-hmm. Tommy came in, and um, I think David just normally, just so there's no confusion, 
he normally doesn't like to go back to back lineups. He wants to always right. move ahead with new, fresh people. Yeah. But he loves he loves Tommy. So there was that was great. But then Tommy split and Brian Tishy came in and mm -hmm. it was like this guy is like different than Tommy, but he's incredible. Mm -hmm. And um, now did he did he ask you it like was that your sort of introduction to Dead Daisies or did you get into the band differently? Uh, it was Marco who also was in White Snake, but Marco Mendoza called me and they had actually asked me to fill in. It's such a small world, man. It's like I was working with Glenn Hughes at the time doing a doing a uh, tour, uh -huh. and they said that they needed a guitar player to fill in because Richard Fortas had gotten hurt on a motorcycle, mm -hmm. which was scary, you know. But yeah. anyway, I couldn't because we, we were touring. But then later, um, around the end of 2015, they said that, okay, don't tell anybody, but Guns N' Roses is getting back together with Slash and everything. And, mm -hmm. and Richard, Richard and Dizzy are going to go back. And so we'd want to make it, we want to make, we want to offer you the gig and we want to make a brand new record with you. So the first thing we'll do is make that record and then, and then tour it, you know? Nice. And it was, it was great. And Brian, like you said, Brian was in the band. It was a great lineup that they had with, yeah. with Richard, Richard and Dizzy, John Karabi, Marco and Brian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ki killer lineup. So then they said, we want to make it a little more guitar oriented anyways, no, no keyboards. Okay, cool. So we, we made that record and then we toured for a couple of years. And that's when I think Brian wanted to go off and do some other stuff, but we got him back yeah. and he's, he's just, to me, pound for pound, the best drummer out there today. He's just, he's just incredibly musical and his grooves are, it's just subtle little things that you can't really put your finger on. When you play with the guy, it's like, yeah, this feels right. You know, it's like it's cooking. If if it's sometimes, well, if listeners sorry, haven't if listeners haven't heard him play uh, Moby Dick, they need to go on YouTube and check out the multiple videos of him doing uh, Zeppelin Moby Dick because it's it's right up there with Bonham uh, as far as the ability. It's impressive. Yeah, he's he is. Uh, He's a, of course, John Bonham is one of his heroes, but he's like a, a drum aficionado from, he studied, you know, he, he's gone on deep dives with Bonham, obviously, Neil Peart, uh, Alex Van Halen, just to name three that I know he's like, he, he, he's gone on these crazy deep dives with these guys to figure out how they did this and that, and, and he can basically play anything. Oh, yeah. Would, but he, when he... When he plays his own stuff, is like where he shines. Does he still go crazy on the the speed bag? Does that does that come out on tours? Is he still speed bagging all the time? <laughs> he, uh, I think he's he's trying to get one on the on the road again. He had to he had to mount it in the equipment truck inside. It was mounted, yeah. and he could go in there and you know, oh yeah, do his thing. He's really good. If anybody wants to see killer speed bagging, he's really great at that too. He. He he would do all the you know forward backward mm -hmm. with his elbow back both sides and mm -hmm. he tried to teach me a little bit but I, I'm still I, I I still go about like this fast. Got it. That's about as fast as I can go. And he's you know he's doing this lightning. But um yeah, but <laughs> it's it's good exercise. It's a good workout. Oh, it's awesome! It's awesome. Uh, now when you started, like you said, when you were when you started, John Karabi was the the lead singer and such a good singer. 
um, and had awesome songs with Dead Daisy, uh, the Dead Daisies, Burn It Down, Rise Up, uh, just great songs. But, you know, going to back, sort of like what I was talking to you earlier about with you joining these bands, that's one thing I think everybody thinks about John with is, is Motley Crue. Uh, going into Motley Crue and just, in my opinion, having the worst experience ever, <laughs> as like any singer. Yeah, it could. sounds like it was it was it was rough for him, but it's a great album that they made. Well, um, well, I was wondering, like, when you were touring with him, did you like? Did you ever get the sense that still haunted him? Because I feel like <laughs> it 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 does. Um, he 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 would bring it up periodically you know like yeah. it, something would remind remind him of something and he'd bring it up and um yeah he told some told me some stories over the years and it was he's let's put it like this john is a very down-to-earth frontman yeah and and he's really talented mm -hmm. but he's he's almost he's almost down to earth and and uh no no ego in almost to a like not to a fault, but just like he can get taken advantage of sometimes, you right. know, not just, not just in, you know, musically, but in life, but trust, sometimes, you know, trust he's not, a he's not too a, much. Yeah. He's not a weak, he's not a weak person. He's a strong person. Yeah. But I just think that he got, maybe he, he just got taken advantage of a little bit in a way that I probably would have said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. You know? Yeah. It, and, um, it, it's that's, all, that's all yeah it's uh i mean i always just look at it. it it was no win situation people loved vince so much it was going in like you mentioned before it was grunge like people were going to be upset sort of with the the sound since they changed the sound of of motley crew everybody was used to it the and like yeah. you said it was a good album but like everybody thinks of crew they think of party and excess and everything else and john doesn't write about that that wasn't you know that's not what you're you're getting no. on that album and, and and that's and and that's not they wanted they wanted zeppelin they wanted aerosmith that's what john does yeah he's that guy and um they were you know because like we were talking we both mentioned grunge came in and mm -hmm. it it knocked everybody you know motley crew fortunately was one of the bands that could actually could actually you know keep working but it was tough yeah. they barely kept working yeah um but yeah john john did a great job with the dead daisies he had for sure he's a phenomenal frontman mc like he would make he would it was like a big backyard barbecue when he was when he was in front of the band you know it'd make it really like down to earth for people and be cracking jokes in between songs and nice very kind of casual now we've got Glenn Hughes and it's we've gone taken a total left turn where it's really more about the music than ever before um really in a in a new sort of direction but yet still with some threads that run from the very beginning of the dead days it's with some of the you know guitar riffs that David Lowy comes up with yeah and keeps it it's the common thread well I was I was gonna ask when you guys got uh Glenn I mean, it seems like obviously there have been a whole bunch of uh, members of Dead Daisies, different uh, sort of different uh, at different times. 
was that sort of did John give you heads up on that and say hey I'm thinking of stepping back and then you guys were just automatically like all right we got to find a new who can we think of that we'd really like to see on on lead uh vocals yeah he did he, he told us that he was he wanted to take some time off and focus on his solo band and do some acoustic gigs he was really he's really great as an acoustic artist you know he'll he'll go in and do these gigs where he'll play some dead daisies he'll play some crew and then he'll do some covers of stuff that he likes mm -hmm. that he does really well mm -hmm. some beatles but uh he said i'm i'm burnt i wanted to take some time off and we didn't really put any too much thought into it until it actually it was the end of the year and, and that was it yeah and then some somewhere it's a couple months off um we, we were thinking about you know some options and and then management called me and said what do you think about glenn hughes i go whoa that would be really that would be well i would i, I just didn't think of it because i yeah. was thinking you know just lead singer only but um but i thought well you know, and they said, because Marco's thinking he wants to take some time and do his solo tours uh, mm -hmm. in Europe. He's working his, he's got an album. He's got now got a new album coming out. But uh, I said, oh, that would be amazing. It, do you think he'd be into it? And they said, well, we've talked to him and he, he, he is. Why don't you give him a call? And I called him. I go, Glenn, is, are, is this happening? What do you think? And he's like, definitely. It's time for you and I to make some, some new music together. Nice. And I thought, this is great. So immediately we both individually, we had some ideas, but immediately I started to um, come up with some things I thought would be good for Glenn. Cause I know what he likes. Yeah. I had just gotten off a tour with him a couple years earlier. Yeah. Three, two or three, two years earlier, whatever it was. And um, he loves these grooves. So I started coming up with stuff. He come, came up with a bunch of stuff. We got together in sound city studio in Hollywood. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a really oh yeah amazing studio. Yeah, Dave Grohl, great, and, uh, great documentary there. Well, no, that's that's Sound City. That's Sound City. This is. I'm sorry, did I say Sound City? I, I think meant yeah. to say Sunset. Oh, okay. I meant to say Sunset Sound. Oh yeah, Sunset Sound. D different. Yeah, no documentary there as far as Dave Grohl. Yeah, right. no. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me because I got it mixed up. But Sound City was a great studio too. But they, it's no longer i was about to say I, well that was the i was like did you go to dave because i know he took the whole board to his uh to his house but anyways yeah right yeah, yeah. that is a that board is that's famous you know everything fleetwood mac was had you know snorting lines of cocaine off that board or oh whatever. yeah but, um anyways so sunset sound is where we got together and and we wrote a bunch we wrote maybe three or four songs and demoed them up with glenn and then we decided, okay, this is happening. We kind of all hunkered down and finished writing, and then we went and recorded the record in south of France at the end of 2019. Nice, nice. Now the and it was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no the the album uh, uh, coming out the new album ten ten great songs on Radiance. Um, Thank you. Two new singles out there, Shine On and Radiance, are out there. Uh, when you recorded it, what was what was the experience like? Was it was it different than the other Dead Daisies experiences as far as recording the album? Yeah, it was. It was um, every other album we recorded. The two albums, uh, Make Some Noise and Rise Up, we recorded in Nashville mm -hmm. with Marty Fredrickson. Then the, the Holy Ground album we recorded in the south of France. Right. 
So it was always a very focused, like, you know, especially south of France, we were living at the studio. So there was rooms above the studio. And um, it was very focused. You basically wake up and go right to work and you could work as late as you want, you know? Nice. Um, th with this album, it came about because we were, we weren't planning on doing an album yet, but we, we had a tour booked for February mm -hmm. and the tour got canceled, pushed back because of the COVID. Mm -hmm. So we decided let's, let's go in and make a record. So we did it in Los Angeles and we used the same producer, Ben Gross. And we wanted to do it here too. because he, all his gear was here. He's got two studios and um, yeah. So, but it was meant you had to commute to the studio and then come home at night to your family and stuff. And it's a little bit less focused, but so it took a little longer to get it the way we wanted it mm -hmm. is all. So yeah. it, was, it was a little different in that way. But we still, like always, we recorded together in mm -hmm. the same room at the same time. Nice. And uh, and then just did, you know, layers of overdubs, whatever was needed by Ben nice. after. Nice. Well, now, obviously, it, it's coming out here in uh, less than a month now, right on a month. Uh, yeah. Earlier this summer, you guys were touring uh, Europe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I saw this on Instagram. I may have not looked at it right, but... Were you learning uh, German with your daughter uh, while you were in <laughs> in Europe? Yeah, yeah I, I still am learning German. Nice. I I I I was on like a sixty day streak where I was learning learning it, and um, I got home and just because of you know schedule and stuff at home, I, I the streak got <sighs> broken up a couple times. But but I'm stick. I'm gonna stick with it. It's really it's a it's a really cool app called Duolingo that. Mm -hmm. It makes it really fun to learn a language. Now, is your daughter learning it with you when you're learning it? She or? she she's doing it a little bit, but not as much as I am. But she's okay. actually, um, I think she naturally understands it better. Um, like when her grandparents talk to her, she can she can respond immediately. Nice, nice. Well, now uh, on the American tour, you've got nine shows literally across the country so you're starting in new jersey you're ending in washington uh the great gilby clark joining you guys in la when you do the show there um yeah gilby's awesome seeing as how you've you've played in pretty much every city and town over your career is there any place that you still get like extra excited for that's on a on like any any city or, or venue that you go whoa Oh man, I can't wait to play that place. Well, yeah, I mean, there's lots, lots of places. I mean, when you go to, um, for example, any major city has always got a, a pre, you know, New York or London or Paris, Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, like if you're touring in Japan, you know that all the press is going to be at the Tokyo show for the most part. Mm -hmm. So you want to get a couple shows under your belt, so you, you're, you know, get over the jet lag and all that, and then get. So when you hit Tokyo. Because you know it's going to be a rough day. You're going to have promo during the day. You have to get to the venue early, do all these interviews and stuff, and then you're going to play, and the show's going to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. And it's all it's a you know it's a little butterflies. Any any of these big cities. What's what's For me? The, what's like, the curveball? What's the one that's outside of the big cities that uh, people probably wouldn't think of that you get pretty excited for, or at least you were you're always really impressed with like crowds and whatnot there. I mean. Pretty much anywhere in South America, it's mm. just off the it's just off the charts. If you play in in Buenos Aires or Santiago, Chile, Chile, 
or anywhere in Brazil, it's like they love those their rock. guys are they're going crazy and they're singing in between the songs. They're singing like "Ole, Ole, Ole, Ole." You know, they're into daisies, it, man. daisies. Yeah, it's 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 insane. Nice. But um, and same and same with Spain. Spain's like that too. Portugal a little bit too. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just love playing, and I I we have a routine before we play where we um kind of as a band go through a few songs glenn likes to warm up like that mm -hmm. and um and it helps me get in the zone mm -hmm. you know get get my fingers warmed up and and get my get mentally kind of going thinking about how the show's going to go we kind of talk through it so that we can say hey what is there anything that didn't go smooth last night let's fix it let's talk about it yeah and it, it helps so the, the so yeah we got done uh with the European run, and we start this U.S. run at in, at the Vineland uh, in Vineland, New Jersey. Yeah, at the Landis Landis Theater on September seventh. So yeah, that's the first one, that's... and people can check out thedeaddaisies.com to find out all the dates and stuff. Got two, got two, uh, two play, uh, two shows in Virginia. One of them not too far away from where I'm originally from, and not too far where you were born there in Raleigh. So pretty, right? Pretty close to the original. But um, I've got one. That's gonna be good. I got one question before we go, uh, and it's actually it's 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 fortuitous there that you're wearing the the Kobe jersey. I've noticed that. <laughs> You 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 wear you you wear some jerseys from time to time. You've got multiple Kobe jerseys, and I saw one a while back. You were wearing a Wizards uh, MJ jersey. Uh, are you a are you a big basketball fan? I I, I love basketball. And my son's really into basketball, but I I was really a huge Kobe fan. Of course, Michael Jordan. And me and my son always debate. You know, like who could who is. You know, of course, MJ. Are you are you wins. on the Kobe side? Well, I love. I, I just remember because I see. I saw Kobe grow up. You yeah. know, I saw him grow up from when he got drafted by the Lakers, mm -hmm. and I don't. You know, I, the only reason why I, I'm I carry now I wear it with pride. You know, but I mean today I didn't think of it. I just put it on because it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna wear something that's you know that's yeah. not gonna be too hot. But um, Kobe. The thing about Kobe that I used to think about when I would be playing shows with white snake where we'd be on tour for a couple months and the set would be set it would be kind of be the same length set every night same songs we wouldn't really deviate once we got it locked in mm -hmm. and there would be some nights when i just would be like i'm trying to get into the groove of the show but i'm just something's off you know it's not like i'm not it's not cooking right yeah i mean i'm playing i'm playing okay but i'm You're not I can feeling tell it. it's not i'm I'm not on the edge, like it's not. Yeah, so I would think to myself at that moment, what would Kobe do? Because there would be these times that Kobe would be, he'd be, it'd just be three quarters of just off night, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it would just be like he'd flip it, and mm -hmm. it would be he would take over. Yeah, and so it just I would try to get in the Kobe mindset, Mamba mentality, and yeah, Mamba mentality, and it would work. I mean, if I if I really I was like, come on, man, snap out of it, mm -hmm. you know, and and it would work. He he was he was uh, super super impressive and I mean I'm a I'm a Jordan fanatic always been a Jordan fanatic and I always point to people and he pointed to everybody that you know that's who inspired him uh, you know both both of them uh, that was their mentality they always both of them said you know 
when they went to play a game, didn't matter where they were playing their, that game, somebody out there that had never seen them play before was watching them. And it was their duty to impress that person, to give it their all for that one person that hadn't seen them before. And uh, I think you, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you can carry that to any profession, like you were saying. I mean, you know, uh, any, yeah. any profession, take take your all. You never know who's watching when, uh, when you're doing it. But like I said before, uh, Several thousand folks have a chance to see you guys play, see you give it your all across the country there. Like we said, nine different stops starting in New Jersey. Doug, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Of course. Thanks, Ben. I really appreciate you guys. And thanks for, you know, for, for what you're doing to spread the word. We are grateful to be doing this and making new music and touring. It's, a, it's definitely a, a huge blessing, right? grateful for it 100 percent. thank you for making it uh anybody that wants to check out all the dead daisies info check it out the dead daisies.com you can follow them on uh any social media at the dead daisies right now let's take a listen to shine on right here on the doc g show
here on the Doc A G Show. Doug Aldridge, Dead Daisies, going around the country, Mike. I mean, that's crazy. Seven stops all the way around the country. You're a big deal when you can do that. New yeah, Jersey, Virginia, somewhere in the middle of the country, and then all of a sudden you're on the West Coast. Good Lord. Good Lord. That's that's why. That's awesome. Yeah, just ballers. Ballers. Just some, yeah. some awesome shows there. Also, love that little tidbit. I'm so glad I asked him about his Kobe Bryant jerseys, Mike. So, so true. Glad, you know? Little story. Like, I mean, it's crazy, though, right? Because Doug is older uh, than Kobe, much, you know, not much older, but old, older by like 15 years older than Kobe. Yeah. You know, but he, he still had that influence on him. Watched him. It was yeah. like, was, and like, you never know. Like, that's the thing is, is, is like I told him, Jordan and Kobe had that mentality. Every time they would go yeah. out on the court, they would tell people, you never know who's watching this game. So I got to give my all for, for it I gotta go all mm-hmm. out for this uh for this performance and that's I mean and with that all out performance you inspire a guy like Doug Aldridge who you have nothing yeah. to do with guitar you're not interested in playing guitar and this guy who is a guitar player is like I gotta be like that dude I yeah, gotta be like, like this a crossover baller, you know yeah. it's crazy it's crazy hats off mm-hmm. hats off to Kobe obviously Mamba mentality Hats off. Mm-hmm. Hats off to Doug Aldridge keeping the Mamba mentality while out on tour. Um, yep. Mike, are you ready for the fastest growing segment in the world? Doc G Top 3. Let's Woo! go. Oh, gosh, I love this, man. I, I got to be honest. It's uh, it's getting tough, though, to think of ones that I'm going to get really excited about or really unique ones, you know? And I got really mm-hmm. excited about this one. Listeners, this week's, and I know I completely lied, listeners. I told you I was going to give you the uh, top three topics for the upcoming week, and I have not done that. I'm sorry. I Girl, suck. Come on. I will do it. <laughs> At some point, I will. I, not for this week, because I'm too stupid, and I didn't come up one for next week. Blame. But I'm going to try next week. I'm not going to promise, because I promised, and I failed that promise the last time. I'm going to try hard to have it ready for next week all i gotta do is one week come up with two and then i'll i'll be good then we're good but i still haven't done that anyways this that's okay that's okay. this week listeners we are doing top three saturday night live cast members my goodness mike exciting yeah exciting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i wasn't i wasn't like I, i don't know why i haven't done this one earlier Maybe because when I first started doing the Doc G Top 3, it was with Dave, and he's not a huge Saturday Night Live guy. But I was just like, I got to do this. So first off, Saturday Night Live, you know, uh, hundreds of cast members uh, in the uh, uh, well well over 100 cast members. Um, so so I got to do several honorable mentions. Uh, so second honorable mention, second tier honorable mention, Bill Hader. Love Bill Hader. Uh, several things. If you've never seen his puppet sketch where he's in a puppet, uh, puppeteer class and he's a former Vietnam vet with his puppet that looks exactly like him and it's with Seth, uh, McFarlane. Oh, one of the like best sketches like by itself of Saturday. I love it. Love it. Yeah. That sketch on its own, like almost like puts him in that stratosphere. 
Then my my first tier honorable mention: Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig, Will Forte, Eddie Murphy, Tina Fey. All of those are my nice. honorable men because all of those in some way. Kate McKinnon just has so many great characters. She's yeah, she's an OG. She's been on there for a while. Yeah, too. she's she's one of or those she was, that has stuck around for tenure, for a yeah. really long time. And Kristen Wiig, yeah. I mean, surprise Sue and Target mm-hmm. Lady and the Little Hand Lady, just so many good sketches. Will Forte, he was so close to making my top three, so close because he came up. With MacGruber, and MacGruber is absolutely my favorite comedy. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, MacGruber is hilarious. Eddie, oh, Eddie. The movie. Oh, I mean, just so, oh, man, so many parts. And if you think yeah, that is another one, it's sort of like thank you with a period, Mike. If you're out there and you're like, oh, it's so lowbrow, then you. You're not my friend anymore, <laughs> okay? If you're that person that thinks they're too good for MacGruber, no, I don't want to be your friend. Uh, Eddie Murphy I give it to him because he he saved he saved Saturday Night Live in the early '80s. Like if it wasn't for mm-hmm. him, it still wouldn't be around. So a lot of people mm-hmm. have him actually as number one best character, but yeah. Uh, and and then Tina Fey, Tina Fey, uh, just uh, her, it, her she's up there on mine for for writing ability. Just so amazing writing ability. Okay, Mike. Yeah. No, she killed do it. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to do before number three? I do, but I have like five honorable mentions, and I'll list the ones that maybe if we don't overlap after we okay. do the top three. Okay, number yeah. three for you then. I'm gonna go with Chris Farley. Woo! Love it, love it. I will. Chris Farley, yeah, amazing. He he is to me. He is from like eighty nine to ninety four of Saturday Night Live. That's who it was. He was the face yeah. of it. You could not yeah, make better physical legend. comedy than him. He could make anything mm-hmm. funny just by being there. And that's yep. all he wanted to do was make people laugh. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. He was he was incredible. What about you, Doc G? Who's your three? Number three, Norm. Norm is Norm my McDonald. number three. Norm, yes. Norm was Weekend Update. Like, he is Weekend Update. I know it was there since the beginning of the show, but he influenced all the Weekend Update hosts from then on. Seth Meyers will tell you, that's how he presents all of his news, is exactly like Norm MacDonald. Even his son said, hey, that guy acts like you when he looked at Norm MacDonald's old sketches. And Seth Meyers was like, no, I act like him. That's uh, Tina Fey, wow. Colin Jost, they all ripped off Norm. And it's not, you know, anything against them. It's just Norm's delivery. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. And the only he reason really he was perfect. fired from SNL was because he wanted to tell jokes that they didn't want him to tell. NBC executive told him not to tell OJ Simpson jokes, and Norm said, <laughs> and told him anyways. And so he got fired. So like, uh, I mean, just that tenacity. Yeah, just that tenacity too. Like, I mean, just the ability to say, "No, I'm sticking to my guns. That's what I'm gonna do." Yeah, I don't care what you think. Amazing, Norm Macdonald, number two, Mike. For me, it's gonna be Keenan Thompson. He he Kenan he should have been on my honorable mentions because he has like he, talk about OG of the of the recent, you know, the last twenty years. He has just been on there. He's got the longest tenure. Yeah. He's been on there since 2003, I learned. Yeah. 2003. Yeah. Wild. I did not and, know that. And, and he's sort of, in a way, like Chris Farley in the fact that his facial expressions, 
like that's my favorite yeah. thing. Whenever he does the, huh? Whenever he does the big eyeballs, look to the right of yeah, whatever. Yeah, just, yeah. It can make anything funny. Doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And then of course, yeah, his Charles Barkley uh, when he does the uh, uh, Family Feud. Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. He kills it. He kills it. Uh, my number two, Mike, Chris Farley. Chris Farley, a man like I said, any could make yeah. anything physically funny. Like so, and so many good uh, Matt Foley, motivational speaker, uh, mm-hmm. all the Chris Farley show sketches, the Gap Girl sketches, the Chippendale dancer sketches, just like so many good ones. He was even good in movie. Like his movies were all incredible. I think that's where I've I got the most. I mean, they they totally yeah. slept on Beverly Hills Ninja, and that movie is yeah, awesome. Oh my gosh. That movie yeah. is almost almost famous, or almost almost mm-hmm. heroes. Sorry, almost heroes with Matt Perry from Friends. Mm-hmm. That movie is awesome, and that was right before he passed away. And then, of course, I mean, Black Sheep awesome yeah tommy boy even better like boy just so good so good you're number one mike i I feel like we're gonna we're gonna overlap on this one but it's gonna be mike myers i mean no how can you no it's not no i should have and again i should have put him i i totally get it i mean he dominated his time i get mike myers because he probably was in a way, he was more creative, I think, than anybody as far as his sketches. He had, when you yeah, when you look really at was. all of those, I mean, Coffee Talk, the Hyper Hypo, like just so many like different and good sketches. And Wayne's World, uh, just yep. like, I mean, just so many things that were great. And he was so like consummate professional. You know, just mm-hmm. brought it every single time. So, so good. Yep. I, yeah, you know, in hindsight, I'll put him on the on. He needs to be on my honorable <laughs> mention. He needs to be on. Who's your number one? Who's your number one, Doc G? Will Ferrell. Uh, Will Ferrell. Legend. Will Ferrell. I mean, there, so there's a couple reasons why he's number one to me. Uh, obviously, too, this was the time that I watched the most Saturday Night Live was when Will Ferrell was on the show. Like, his whole tenure, that was when, like, basically I didn't miss it, nope. uh, you know, a Saturday. I was watching every single Saturday. And he just had the most sketches that were gold. I mean, Bill Brasky, yeah. Alex Trebek, Harry Carey, Robert Goulet, Marty Culp, Moore Cowbell, Neil Diamond, George W. Bush. Like, George W. Bush, he did a whole Broadway show as George W. Bush, and it was hilarious. Him for yeah, two hours yeah. being a dude. So true. Like, just, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. And the thing, like, his sketches that didn't even make the show were absolutely hilarious. Like, if you need evidence yeah. of that, go to YouTube, listeners, and look up The Old Prospector on YouTube. It's a sketch that didn't make it, and it is awesome. It is hilarious. He's just an old, crazy guy. It's so good. It's great. And another way that I always gauge, especially on Saturday Night Live, like how good a cast member is, how much do they make other cast members break? How much do they make other cast members laugh during sketches? And he Mm. could break every single other cast member. There was never, Ah, there wasn't a single person on those 
uh, on those seasons that didn't start laughing of something ridiculous he did on stage. Like, just so good. So good, man. Yeah. Uh, he, just, he was legend. He could just... You, he can make like just stare at you and you laugh like just his goofy stare will make yeah, you what laugh. is it about that how does he do that he just so because it's like the seriousness but you can feel the humor under it like there's just yeah. like this this it's like right there serious facade but then he's just sitting there with this goofy feeling underneath and also one of the greatest thing go back if you have time watch him on conan he comes on and acts like a uh, animal specialist. One of my favorites too. Comes on there and has animals, and they're all. I, I won't ruin it. Go watch it. It's great. It's great. Yes. But uh, anyways, Mike, that is our <laughs> right, Doc G top three. There we go. Top three. Uh, what are your honorable mentions, Mike? Oh yeah, honorable mentions for uh, Saturday Night Live. I'll do it real quick. These were, I think, shorter uh, lived or a couple of yeah. more. Ben Stiller, Julie Louise Dreyfus, uh, Sarah Silverman wow. was not on there for a long time, but I think it was because of a politics thing. I don't know. Um, just because she's an amazing comedian, I don't want, why wasn't she on the show longer? Uh, Andy Samberg and Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Andy Samberg definitely big, yeah. huge, huge influences on the show. I mean, you know, Dick in yeah. a Box and all of those different sketches and the Lonely Island Boys, like oh, all yeah. of those amazing. things are amazing. Chevy Chase obviously part, and I, a lot of people put John Belushi. I just couldn't do John Belushi. I mean, like I get it. He was the physical humor. He was the Chris Farley before Chris Farley, but like mm -hmm. he just wasn't as funny to me. Like I just didn't. I yeah, like. I, didn't, and I, I, didn't I, I get it. I, well, yeah, and that's the thing is, if it's before your time, it's also a little bit yeah. harder to, you know, a little bit harder to laugh at. And Bill Murray, I thought about putting Bill Murray on there because he is sort of, you know, just he's fantastic too. But so many. Yeah, but I mean, a center center of comedy, center of comedy, mm -hmm. SNL, just amazing. Amazing. I mean, and like, I didn't even get to some like David Spade's one of my favorite standups of all time. Just his his dry humor and like, but yeah. but his sketches just didn't hit. You know, on Saturday Night Live, he didn't have a ton of sketches on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why yeah. I didn't put him on there, even though he's one of my favorite comedians. Like, but anyways. There you go. There you go, listeners. If you agree, you probably don't agree. There's 150 people to choose. I like your honorable mentions, though, Mike. Digging deep. I like it. Getting some unique Thanks, ones. Thanks, Getting Thank some you. unique Thank ones. You. That's always good. Bring you know, bring a new perspective. Mike, yeah. we got to get through the birthday suits before we go here for today. Here we go. Second birthday suit. Don't think you're going to get this one, but we'll give it a shot. Okay. Let's see. Do you know who sang Brown Eyed Girl? Nope. Okay. Mm. Yep. This is going to be a problem then. Uh, <laughs> born on August 31st, 1945 in Belfast, Northern Ireland, our birthday suit wearer was an only child who started listening to music at a young age. His dad bought him a guitar when he was 11, and just one year later, he formed his first band called the Sputniks. When he graduated from school, he took a job as a window cleaner, but... Always intended on staying in music. He toured through Europe in 1963 with the band The Monarchs, and they made their first album that year as well. But the band broke up when they returned back to Ireland. And through in 1967, our birthday suit wearer released his debut album titled Blowin' Your Mind with the instant classic Brown-Eyed Girl, which has since went on to be inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame. 
Over his career, our birthday suit wearer has released 40 studio albums with classic songs like Gloria, Domino, Wild Night, Moondance. He is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, he is also in the Hall of Fame for songwriters. He is also in the Irish Music Hall of Fame, and he has multiple honorary doctorates. Name that birthday suit wear. Initials, Mike, VM. VM. V- Van Morrison. There it is. All right. <laughs> really? Totally guess. You cut well. You cut it down with a V. There's not too many. You go yeah, like Vince. Not a lot of V's. Uh, Vicky. Yeah. Uh, and since it's a dude, that'd be a weird name for a dude. But you know, I guess it could be Vicky the dude. Uh, hmm. What are Van other Morrison. V names? I don't think there's. That's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all yeah, I got. Yeah, you said Vince, Vince already. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, Van Morrison, man, brown-eyed girl. Uh, mm. Brown-eyed girl, Gloria, Domino, Wild Night. Wild Night is calling. Oh, yeah. I see. I, think, I, I always think of these guys as like Rod Stewart or one of those guys sang that song. Somewhat similar. You know, somewhat similar. B- yeah, Blue-eyed it's... soul, as they sometimes call it. Moon dance. Uh. Well, it's a wonderful night for a moon dance. Yeah, I thought that was like Frank Sinatra was going to go Michael Buble. I I would say Buble has definitely covered it. I was about to say he's definitely covered it. That like any crooner like that has covered several Van Morrison songs for sure. Um, but yeah, just jams, man. Right, Straight jams. I'm listen to this guy. He's a, a monster, monster performer. Love Van Morrison. All right, Mike, here we go. Second birthday suit. Born on August 31st, 1983 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, our birthday suit wear always loved football. When he was growing up, he became a ball boy for the Minnesota Vikings. He got to throw balls with Chris Carter, Warren Moon, and Randy Moss. He played in a high school at the Academy of Holy Angels in Richfield, Minnesota. He was their first two-time All-State wide receiver they ever had. He ended up uh, attending the University of Pittsburgh, where in his first year he helped them win the 2002 Insight Bowl and had over 1,000 yards that season. The next season he was All-Team Big East and All-Big East Offensive Player of the Year and the Bolitnikoff winner. He was drafted third overall by the Arizona Cardinals. He ended up playing his entire career with the Arizona Cardinals, becoming an 11-time Pro Bowler. He was the NFL Man of the Year in 2016. He the leader in receptions in 2005 and 16, leader in touchdowns in 2008 and 2009, and a member of the NFL 100th anniversary team. Side note, in 2020, he became a partial minority owner of the Phoenix Suns. Name that birthday suit wearer. He played for the Cardinals? Give you his initials. L-R. Or, sorry, L... Dumb. L-F. L-F. No idea. Larry Fitzgerald. Wouldn't have guessed it. No, I wouldn't. Even not not that. a big not a big guy on skill players for Mike. No, thank you. No. Th- yeah, is it football? He's a football player. Yeah. Football player, yeah. skill wide receiver. There, one one of the best gotcha. in the past twenty years. Definitely one okay. of the best. Uh, led led the. Uh, Led the NFL, like I said, in so many things. Pro bowler. Uh, never got that championship because he was on the Cardinals. Oh, never won a championship, you know. But 
still one of one of the best to do it and just uh all around interesting dude seems like a really nice guy he's got a uh radio show uh he's got a radio show with um um uh, tom brady and uh i forget the the really famous uh, uh sports announcer but uh it's on sirius xm uh, ah. it's called, uh, well, it's a podcast, but it's, it's put out there too by Sirius XM. It's called let's go, you know, as mm. uh, Tom Brady always says, let's go. One. One. Yeah. Anywho, okay. uh, Larry Fitzgerald turning 39, one more year hey. in the thirties. Wow. Celebrate it, Larry. Get out there, do some stuff with your millions of dollars and your minority ownership. Get it. Mm-hmm. Get it. Mike, we have fantastic shows coming up. I cannot wait. We have just, oh, mm, mm. we have a huge legend coming up in two weeks in Steve Vai. As I have said before, we also have a fantastic new artist. Uh, She is coming on the show next week. It would be KG Crown. KG Crown. Youngster. Mm. Young Buck. She's got two songs coming out. Picture Perfect, which is out today. Picture Perfect Love. Let me correct that. Picture Perfect Love. And then she's got Porcelain Queen coming out on the 10th. We're going to be talking to her just about, you know, dominating life, being a social media influencer. Maybe those young the, maybe those young bucks out there that are looking to do that for their future careers, they can take some advice from her because she's dominating it right now. So true. She's probably in that category, just making the bucks, meeting the other social media influencers, having to talk to goobers like me. Anywho, <laughs> Mike, we are going to be back next week, but we have to wrap it up for now. I have been your host, Doc G, with me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Thank you, Doc G. Always a good time. Always a pleasure. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it in your